a gruesome deer is spotted walking through the woods. A young girl on the way to her grandmother's house runs into a big bad something. And then we travel to London to meet three roommates who have a toilet problem. Their drains are clogged and they have been for several days now. They think that's simply an inconvenience. But when the plumber shows up, the true terror starts today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. This is our Halloween special that I totally forgot was the last episode before Halloween. I had something else planned for today and I said, no, your good stories, you're going to be next week. But today I wanted to talk about some extra spooky stuff. But first off, let's give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreon supporters, Mr. Twister. Everyone clap and do the twist at the same time while you're clapping for Mr. Twister. You're going to be our captain, our pilot of this spooky episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. So Mr. Twister, go ahead, chop off your head. Don't actually do that, but for the sake of the story, chop off your own head and put on a fiery jack-o'-lantern as a new knob. Put on that cape. If you haven't already done those things, right? You may already have a pumpkin for a head, I don't know. And let's put you behind the wheel of the Jason Jalopy. First off, we're headed out to Illinois. Cars driving. (laughs) We're laughing the whole way. We're listening to just the whole road trip. It's just one of those CDs of scary sound effects you get at the dollar store. So we get to Illinois, and it's September 2020. So the story's super recent. We're out in the middle of the woods, and we meet Chris Evans. You're like, oh, Chris Evans, all right. I can't wait to get his autograph. And I was like, no, not that Chris Evans. Actually, it might be, but I don't think so. This Chris Evans is a hunter. Chris Evans hunts this land, and he has all these trail cams set up. He's like, there's nothing I like better than to watch something live before I shoot it in the neck. So I have these trail cams set up so I can enjoy their final moments. Now that I think about that, if if that's what a crazy serial killer would do, like put up cameras all around someone's house, and then just like watch you walk around for a couple months, check out your mating habits, where you poop. And I watch that for a while and then I break in and kill you. And yes, I know that's the plot of a movie. Uh, I'm not going to give away what the movie is because I still want people to watch it. But that is a plot of a movie. However, this guy basically I just realized that these hunters are basically serial killers, but they're killing animals. You're like, Jason, you, j- you just realized that? Yeah, but I mean, like... Even if they're hunting them for meat, which are trophies, oh my god, they are serial killers. They're like, I keep a trophy of all of my kills. Look at this wall of heads. I never, whoa, dude. Anyways, anyways. Now now I'm giving Chris Evans a bit of a side eye. I'm like, hmm, he has a necklace made out of thumb bones. I'm like, I didn't know animals had thumbs. He's like, uh, he tucks it into his shirt. Chris Evans has these trail cams set up, and he sees this buck walk by one day. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. New deer? Let them get used to the terrain? Let them learn the ins and outs before I hunt them? Because it turns out the most dangerous game is me. <laughs> when I'm hunting you and killing you. It's all well and good. But then comes October 17th, 2020. There's this video. You can watch it online. This story's actually really short, except for that insanely and long introduction. This, episode, this segment's really short. 
There's a video, you can watch it online, it's on YouTube. I don't know how long it's going to be on YouTube. But Chris Evans posted it, and basically he is saying, I have to go kill this thing now. And uh, this has been posted to a bunch of hunting blogs, and then it's spread into the world of high strangeness because it's so weird. And other hunters are like, yeah, we need to take this thing out. There's a video, it's maybe like a minute or two long, it'll be in the show notes if you really want to ruin your lunch, of this deer, of Buck the deer. And it's set up, per- I mean, like as a horror movie, it's set up perfectly. You see this deer walk into frame, totally normal snout, right? <laughs> like most deers, totally normal head, a little head, little antlers. And as it gets further into the frame, it's, I would say about 50% of its back is missing. There's a there's just exposed organs. You see from the shoulder blade basically to the butthole, the deer has been ripped open and it's just walking. You actually it's so bizarre because on the one hand it looks so fake because it's so gory, but on the other hand you can actually see the shoulder blade move and the skin flap open. Like you could literally like put your hand into it. Don't do not do that, right? This thing's suffering. But it's... When it moves its shoulder... It's so gross, dude. When it moves its shoulder, it opens up like a hot pocket. And you can actually, like, see inside of it. Even if it's not moving its shoulder. Even if it's just laying on the ground, you can see its back is missing. And I'm not talking like a little, like, sunburn. Like, you can see the organs and the spine and stuff like that. Super gross, right? <laughs> Super gross. You're like, dang it, Jason. I was just eating a Hot Pocket. <laughs> but anyways. Oh, don't worry. This episode gets way grosser than that. But not gross for gross sake. It's gross for spooky sake. This video, this one's gross for gross sake. I was going to post this on Instagram and Twitter. And I thought, no, probably get those accounts taken down. If I say, hey, guys, check this out. It's kind of gross. Uh, but, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because the podcast can't get taken down because I tell you about this YouTube video. Deer walking. It, it's it's gross, but it's not just like, let's put it in a horror context. <laughs> Otherwise, this is just a gore. I wonder if they have a gore podcast. They're like, dude, today we're going to brainsexploding.com. And they're like reviewing gore sites. And they're like, oh, dude, look at that. You know, now that I've said that, now that I've put that out into the universe, someone will start one. But, um, don't. It would be really weird to just talk about pictures. It'd be the same thing if you had an art podcast, and you're like, dude, look at the brush strokes on that. People are like, I can't! I'm driving a car, and I'm listening to audio. What are you talking about? But that, but about gore. (laughs) This is the beginning of that type of podcast. But it also is spooky, because it happened during October. It's definitely sad. Oh, I should get to this before. They don't know what caused it, which makes it spooky as well. Some people say flesh-eating bacteria. Little 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 microbe landed on his back one day and went, Arr! and then the next day there were two microbes, and they go, Arr! and the next day there's three. <laughs> Is that how that works? Arr! Until eventually there's a billion of them. Flesh-eating virus, because he was totally fine in September. Flesh-eating virus. Some people say it was a bullet. I mean, it would have had to be like an entire machine gun. He was straight up trying to save Private Ryan. But the most reasonable one is that he got hit by a combine. Like, he was laying in a field or something like that. Because they said it's like a... You're like, Jason, you can stop describing the deer now. Okay, we'll wrap it up. It's like a chunk taken off of him. But they don't know what caused it. They said he doesn't have long to live. 
he won't be able to heal before winter or before a predator or before infection sets in. So if you're a hunter in the Illinois area and you have nothing better to do, well, you're a hunter. So this is what you do. This is what the better thing for you to do is this is your hobby. Go out and either put the steer out of its misery or like, I don't know. I don't know what the alternative is. It's sad. He's a little deer bro. Maybe you could, like, go out and, like, I don't know, pet him and stuff. He's like, no. He has a huge open wound. He's like, dude, did you bring any Percocet? You could probably, yeah, like, give him pain pills or something like that. <laughs> You're getting gored to death. You're like, ah, no, take the pills. He just keeps attacking you. Obviously, to wrap this up, finally, the horror version is that it's some sort of zombie deer. Like, this is the beginning of a zombie outbreak. So, so there you go. That's why. That justifies me talking about it in the Halloween episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I saw the video and it was so disturbing. It looks, the deer actually looks quite fine with it. He's not like struggling. I don't know what a struggling deer would look like, but he looks like he's just walking, but you can see the skin opening. Mr. Twister throws up. It's a bunch of pumpkin seeds. He's all bleh, bleh. I'm like having pat him on the back. Hold back his stem. Okay, Mr. Twister, are you ready to drive us out of here? He's like, aren't you going to take care of this deer? You keep talking about wanting to take care of this deer. I gave him a shot of heroin that I just happened to have on me. Had it in the glove box. So he's having a good time now. But after Mr. Twister is done cleaning up my car, don't throw up in my car, bro. We are headed. He's like, don't take me to a gore story with half a deer. Mr. Twister, call in that Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are leaving behind Illinois. We are headed out to Chile. (sniffs) Dead Rabbit Dirigible is flying overhead. Now the balloon is in the shape of a big old pumpkin head to make it extra spooky. There's fake cobwebs everywhere. (laughs) People are like, dude, what is going on? This is like some eighth grade Halloween party. I was like, I know, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Got it all at the dollar store. It's summer 1972. We're headed out to Julidad. That's in the region de los Lagos in Chile. It's evening. It's not super dark out, but it's probably a little too dark to be walking by yourself. But it is 1972, and kids were kind of allowed a little more freedom back then. As we're up in this dirigible, we see a 15-year-old girl walking down the street. She's headed to her grandmother's house stereotypically enough, and her name is Blanca Esther Cardenas Rain. Her grandma lived on a hill near the isolated side of town. But again, Blanca's not really thinking anything of it. It's not super dark. It's not super spooky. She's made this walk before. She's probably about three to four blocks away from her grandmother's house at this point. And then she hears something behind her. She turns, and right when she turns, she sees it. There's a creature standing there. It's huge. Six foot five feet tall. Covered in hair. But not Bigfoot. Not Bigfoot. This is something else. It has a long nose or a snout. It has a tail. And the longest part of its body are its massive legs. She's taking in the sight of this, but what really catches her eye is its eyes. They're shining. And she says she's, this is all happening within a split second. She sees this creature jump up out of the ditch, stares at her. And she says her entire body feels like it's 
electrically shocked. It's just that where you feel it in your bones, you feel it in your teeth. She just feels a shock. She believes this creature has emitted some sort of beam out of its eyes and hits her. She turns to run. She knows instinctively she needs to get out of the street. And the closest place to run that she knows of is her grandmother's house. <sighs> She's running through this part of town. And it is, the, it is an isolated part of town. There's not a lot of stuff out here anyways. And she hears the creature behind her emit a terrifying screech. And then a pause. And she stumbles. <gasps> she hears the screech again and she's running. She's running. And again, she stumbles. <gasps> what she realizes going on behind her. This creature is screaming and launching itself into the air. And when it lands, she feels the earth shake. And it's getting closer to her. Everything this creature can do to slow her down is working. Blanca, though, is able to reach the clearing where her grandmother's house is at. And the creature stops, stares at her, and disappears back into the darkness. Blanca's completely hysterical, as any of us would be. She runs in and she tells her grandmother what just happened. The grandmother says, don't speak of this again. You have to keep quiet about it. What do you mean? I just was just pursued by a monster who electrocuted me, who was shattering the ground, who was trying to get me. What do you mean, stay quiet about this? And the grandma said, you have to stay quiet about this, or quote, it will kill her. Two months later, I'm assuming Blanca didn't leave the house for two months, right? She's all camping out there. She's like, uh, hey, mom, dad, can you like mail like all of my stuff here and like mail my school here and all of my friends? Blanca does eventually go home. Two months later, Blanca's grandmother died. This was originally told by Antonio Cardenas Tabies in the book called Abdorje al Caluche, which means approach to Caluche. Caluche, we actually covered a long time ago in the story about the Imbunche. It's this Chilean wizards would create these monstrosities. We covered that a lot. It was episode like 150 or something like that. It was a really good episode, but you create these creatures and they use... The Caluche is basically the Chilean version of the Flying Dutchman. It's like a ghost ship. And it's kind of like a, it, it ties into other stories in the area. The wizards of Chile were actually using that ship to smuggle goods. It's, if you really want like to listen to a trippy episode, look up the episode on the Mbunche that I did, because I really go into depth. But uh, the, uh, Antonio was, wrote this book called Approach to Caluche, and it was a collection of cryptid stories, weird, creepy events. It was a collection of stories. So that's where this story originally comes from. I got it from thinkaboutitdocs.com, but they got it from there. Very, very interesting story because, yes, we have all the hallmarks of an urban legend, creature, a cryptid, whatever. But there's two really cool details I want to focus on. One, the grandma says you have to keep quiet or, quote, it will kill her. Now, when I first read that, and I'm sure there's translation errors, obviously. When I first read that, I saw that as the grandma saying... Don't talk about it or it's going to get you. But as I was rereading it in preparation to do this story, I thought the grandma might have meant, don't tell anyone or it'll kill me. 
You know, I, I mean, <laughs> maybe you're like Jason. No, you said, quote, she said it will kill her. But you understand, like, if the girl, if the 15-year-old girl is running her mouth about it, because obviously she did, because we've heard this story, she didn't keep quiet. And if the grandma was saying, if the, the girl was basically the one being quoted, not the ground, I know it's confusing and there's translation issues, but you know what I mean? Like, it's possible the grandma said, you can't tell anyone about this or it'll kill me. And then the daughter, when she was telling the story to Antonio, said, my grandma told me not to tell anyone or it'll kill her. And the author of the book looks up, he's like, say what? And she's like, oh yeah. She said, if I ever told this story, my grandma would die. And then you hear like, ah, three to four blocks away. So you have that. You have that interesting thing. Again, if if it's not a translation error, then it definitely didn't get her because she told the story later. But th- I, there's another real fascinating thing about this. This doesn't seem like a cryptid. This seems like a biological creature, and here's why. And I, I kind of started thinking about other ways this happens as well. This creature was actually using techniques that real predators use, which is shocking. Not like... I'm going to tell you a story about a gross deer. And the animal's like, ah. You know what I mean? Like an electric eel type shock or a stun attack. Like they do have animals that will like flap their wings so much it like stuns little insects. And definitely you have things like electric eels. It was basically doing things that we know real predators do. It wasn't trying to like make you wear your shoes on backwards or shooting out flame it wasn't doing stuff that we see cryptids do, casting spells or making music and things like that. Some sort of stun attack or some sort of electrical attack are things predators actually do. On Earth, that is verifiable. So I thought those were some interesting details. It wasn't doing... And even the screeching noise is something that a predator will do to kind of shock their prey. You wonder how many creatures and humans have been stalked by this thing that weren't able to recover from a stumble. That weren't able to recover from being shocked. Both of those things would take out a huge amount of prey. Why it didn't come in to the grandmother's property? Who knows? That makes it goes back to the cryptid version, right? Because a lion's not chasing you, and then it's like, oh, protected ground. You're safe now, monkey man. But soon I will be back. Like, that doesn't happen. He just follows you and eats you and then eats everyone that you led him to. That makes the story a little more cryptid-ish as well. But I thought it was interesting this creature was using tactics we know that real predators use. Mr. Twister's nodding. He's nodding off. He took some of that heroin I gave the deer. Hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. Narcanum. And then, Mr. Twister, let's go ahead and call in that Carpenter Copter, we are leaving behind Chile, and we are headed out to London. Helicopter has a skull painted on the side of it. That's all I did. I spent all my money decorating the dead rabbit dirigible. As that Carpenter Copter is crossing the Atlantic Ocean, I turn to you. I hold a flashlight underneath my face, and I go, This Halloween, we've got a special treat for you. The terrifying suspense thriller, Spell. Starring Omari Hardwick from the TV show Power and Loretta Devine. It's premiering at home today. Marquis, played by Omari Hardwick, awakens from a plane crash. Imprisoned by a mysterious woman. Let me out. Practicing hoodoo magic. Uh, She's just waving her hands. Magic stuff is happening. 
He desperately tries to break free to save his family from the sinister rituals that await. Buy or rent spell today on digital. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. Carpenter Copter is leaving behind the plane crash mark. He's like, no, no, help me. We're like waving to him. Hey, we love your movie. He's like, oh, what, what movie am I in? As he's getting dragged away by hoodoo magicians. Mr. Twister, take this Carpenter Copter. We are headed to North London. We're specifically landing in a little neighborhood called Cranley Gardens. It's on Muswell Hill. Right there. We're landing on a bunch of like old timey cars. It's 1983. So that's old timey, right? I was alive back then. I'm still alive now, but more old timey than now. It's February 8th, 1983. So when we're there, we see, we walk up to 23 Cranley Gardens, where there's not actually 23 different gardens. I'm like, ooh, which one to choose? That's the address 23 Cranley Gardens. There's a house that has three people living in it. We have Dennis, we have Mark, and we have Valerie. Aw, bloody hell, I can't get this drain to work, says Mark as he's downstairs. And everyone's like, dude, when did you become a stereotypical British? He's like, oi, oi, oi. Aw, I can't get it to work. It's been bloody out of work. And it's true, their drains aren't working. So they're like washing carrots and stuff like that. And the water like is just like sitting in the drain. And they're like, oh, man. And then they're like, I guess I just got to eat this dirty carrot, which is fine. Okay. You can't wash stuff, whatever. Like, yeah, that's inconvenient. Actually, That's incredibly insanitary. That's how so many diseases are caused, but like, whatever, you can figure that out. The big problem is their toilets aren't working. That's something you can't go more than a day without. If all of a sudden, I don't wash my food anyways. I can't remember the last time. One of my, like, washing cans. Doo, 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 doo. Cans of ravioli, I'm washing them underneath the sink. I don't wash food, but I guess people who eat, like, vegetable people who eat those things that I don't eat, I eat canned vegetables. If you buy, like, apples and stuff, or carrots, you, you love the disdain in my voice. <laughs> Do you love the tone of my voice when I talk about this stuff? You grab a carrot or something like that, you're washing it, and if you you have to do that, again, I don't know if that's something you have to do. <laughs> Everyone yelled at once, yes, you're supposed to wash your food. <laughs> How are you alive this long? But if you can't do that, then it's what? You take it outside, you use the garden hose. You can't poop in your yard. You can, but there's a whole host of other crimes that are being committed. So they have to get their toilets fixed. That's a very, very long way in this already long episode to explain. They have to get their toilets fixed. So they call a plumber. They've tried fixing it themselves. The landlord tried fixing it. This has been going on for days. They call a plumber. So Dino Rod sends out Michael Catran. He's walking down the street. I'm sure he had a van, actually. I don't know why he's walking down the street. He's He has a matchstick in his mouth. He's flicking it out, cowboy hat on. He drives up in his Dino Rod van. Jumps out. What's going on, guys? They're like, they have no time to chat. They all really have to go to the bathroom. It's been days. It's like, oh, okay. So he's checking everything in the house, and he goes, whatever it is, it's not in the house. I'm actually going to go into the sewer. Like, there's a huge pro. It's that bad. Like, generally, the plumbers aren't going down into the sewer, but he's done everything he can in the house. Has to go down. So, moves the sewer manhole cover, crawls down into the sewer. Little feet. Little. <laughs> I'm sure he has normal-sized feet, but that's his feet making... Sounds walking through the sewage. 
And he finds the pipes that are coming down from this house at 23 Cranley Gardens. And he sees something sitting outside the pipes. So he's still on the sewer, but where the pipe exits the wall, there's like a pile. It's about eight inches thick. That's a huge pile of something. And he's looking at it. He's like, what in tarnation is that? Shining his flashlight on it. Pulls out his pin and he's poking it a bit. What in the world is this? He has an idea what it is. But he's never seen it before. Crawls up out of the sewer. <laughs> Can I use your phone? to feed? This is before cell phones. So you had to let sewer man back in your house. He's like, guys, listen, I'm fixing your toilet. So yes, it may track in a little bit of sewage. That's part of the job. Like, I have to use your phone though. Calls up his boss at Dino Rod, Gary Wheeler. Hey, Gary. Yeah, this is Michael. Yeah, you sent me out to 23 Cranley Gardens. Um, I'm here trying to fix the toilets. It's not anything in the house. I think it's in the sewer. And I think you need to come out here. I think you need to come out and check this out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Conversation goes on for another 20 minutes. I'm just going, uh-huh. Okay, awesome, mate. Bye. Hangs the phone up. He turns to Dennis, Mark, and Valerie and says, yeah, I, we could probably fix it, but I need to have my boss come out and check this out. And they're like, well, why? And he goes, I don't want to alarm anybody, but this may be something more than just a blockage. Cheerio starts walking back this year. They're like, that alarms us even more. And he goes, well, you guys want to come down and take a look at it? Now Valerie's like, I'm good. Mark and Dennis go into the sewer. I would love to go into the sewer, dude. That's like on my bucket list. It's to go into the sewer. But anyways, or a storm drain, either one. <laughs> Safely, I don't want to be just like in a storm going down one. Dennis, Michael, and Mark walk down into the sewer, and he shows them this pile, this eight-inch thick pile. There's about 30 pieces of a pale, gooey substance. Mark's like, what? What is that? Dennis gets down, and he's looking at it. He goes, you know what it looks like? Someone was flushing their KFC down the toilet. Michael goes, yeah, I guess. Is there a KFC around here? I'm actually kind of hungry. And they have a working bathroom. And around this time, the boss shows up. Gary shows up, walks down into the sewer. He's like, why do you have these other two people here, dude? This is our workspace. You just can't invite people down. Get up, get up. So then Dennison and, uh, Dennis and Mark had to leave. Dennis and Mark end up leaving, and Gary goes, so this is what you wanted to show me. And Michael's like, yeah, look at this. Now, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm just a simple plumber. But you know what that looks like to me? And Gary's looking at it for a bit, and he goes, that looks like human flesh. Michael goes, yeah, that's exactly what I thought, too. I've never seen human flesh come out of a sewer drain before. But I can imagine. I've seen a lot of other stuff come out of a sewer drain. If you were to put human flesh in a sewer drain, that's what it would look like. So they go back. At this point, it's like 7.30 at night. Because it took them a long time just to even find this issue and then to call the boss. They crawl back up out of the sewer and they tell the people at the house. They tell Valerie, Mark, and Dennis, hey, listen, we're still looking into this. We may need to call the police because there's something going on down there. Don't don't be alarmed. <laughs> like, quit telling us not to be alarmed. And making alarming statements at the same time. They said, don't be alarmed. But don't be also alarmed if the police show up tomorrow. We're going to show back up tomorrow. We don't know what it is. Could be nothing. Could be nothing at all. Cheerio, mate. Dino Rod employees leave. 
and everyone retires to the room. Dennis is at the very top, Mark is in the middle, and Valerie is on the bottom floor. Everyone goes to bed. But in the middle of the night, Mark wakes up and he goes, I can't sleep. Like, I mean, who could? One, I think I'm my bowels are getting impacted. I haven't gone to the bathroom in days. And two, there might be some sort of monster living in the sewer. So he goes down and there's like a little sitting room in the downstairs. And he goes down, he sees a light on. He's like, what? He opens the door. And he sees Valerie sitting awake in this room down in the parlor area, maybe. So Mark goes in and sits down. And he goes, she couldn't sleep. And Valerie's like, no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid there's a sewer monster. And I have to go to the bathroom. And he's like, yeah, me too. So they decide to just kind of stay up for a while, chat a bit. It's getting late, two, three in the morning. And they hear a noise. Someone's walking down the stairs. Now they know that they're not the only two people in the house. So they think maybe it's Dennis not being able to sleep, also afraid of the flesh monster, walking down to join them. Footsteps stop. And then they hear the front door open. They're sitting there and it's silent for a while. And then they hear a sound that they had heard earlier in the day. It was the sound of the manhole cover being removed again. There's more silence. And then they hear a... They hear the manhole cover pushed back over the manhole. They hear the front door close and they hear footsteps leading back up to Dennis's room. The next morning, Dino Rod, Michael, and Gary show back up. They move the manhole cover. They go down. There's no pile of flesh. They start asking the people in the house, hey, what happened? We, (laughs) unless it's sentient and it moved, it's not there anymore. And that's when Mark and Valerie say, We think we heard something last night. We think our roommate Dennis went down there and moved the flesh. And they were actually able to say from the sound of like the wet slopping noise, they said it sounded like he was throwing it over the fence. So at that point, the plumbers are like, okay, we have to call the authorities. Like first we thought we could be wrong. Maybe it's not human flesh or it's human flesh from somewhere else. But the pipe that it was laying underneath seemed to be the pipe that would have fed out of Dennis's room. The story ends with the police showing up, being shown the pile of goo over the fence. They do find another piece of it was human flesh farther back in the pipe. That pipe that it was underneath in the sewer led up to Dennis's room. They sent the goo. <laughs> they just bagged it up in a Ziploc bag. They sent it to a coroner, and he identified it. Yes, this is human flesh. And they end up arresting the man who had the attic room. His name was Dennis Nilsson, serial killer. He had ended up killing, they say, minimum of 12 people. He operated between the years 1978 and 1983. His previous, his modus operandi, he was gay. He would pick up men, gay men from bars, take them back to his place. 
and strangle them or drown them. He'd usually get them drunk or on drugs. He'd strangle them or drown them. And then he would bathe them after they were dead, dress them up in clothes, and then cuddle with them. Leave them in bed with him for weeks at a time until the smell got too bad. And then he would burn them in a massive bonfire. That's when he lived in a house where he could do those things. But he ended up having to leave that property behind and got stuck living in an attic where he couldn't have this cleansing ritual. A lot of times in serial killers bathe bodies or burn bodies. It's not necessarily part of the hiding the evidence. Sometimes it is, but it's a part of like a ritual of cleansing them of their sins or your sins or both. Since he couldn't do that, but he still had a compulsion to kill people, he'd killed three people in this attic spot of 23 Cranley Gardens. And he was having to dissect them, and he could dispose of some of the body parts when it was possible. But, I mean, when you're killing multiple 180-pound men, you just had to start stuffing it down into the drain, flushing it down the toilet until eventually it made a mass of human flesh in the pipes. So much so, remember, there was only 8 inches of it, about 30 pieces of it on the bottom. The rest of the human skin and muscle tissue and everything like that was stuffed in the pipes of the house. That's why no one could go to the bathroom. He was in the process of dismembering a body when the plumbers originally showed up. He had someone up there... And after the first time of meeting with the plumbers, he knows that things are almost up. He has this half-dismembered body in his room. The rest of it is stuffed in the drains that the plumbers are looking at. He just sat in the dark and drank with a corpse next to him, wondering what was going to happen next. His idea first was to blame it on KFC. His second thing was when he went down and removed the guts, removed the handfuls of skin, threw him over the fence. He was going to put some chicken down. He's going to go to like KFC and put some chicken down and be like, oh yeah, look it. It's just chicken. Had the two roommates not have heard that sequence of events, there is a chance that he would have gotten away with it. He ended up dying in 2018. He lived quite a long time. He was sentenced to life in prison. He died in 2018 of health-related issues. The names of the tenants... I had to make up. I don't remember the names of the tenants. And when you read about Dennis Nelson, there's always like one or two paragraphs describing the story I just told. So how was I able to describe it in such detail? I read a book about him years ago. And the first three chapters were basically that story I just told you. And I just imagined the suspense these people must have been going through over the course of that 24 hours. First, you just really need to go to the bathroom. And then you find out that there's flesh coming out of your pipes. And it's one of those things where you know it's not you, but there's other people in the house it could be. You know what I mean? Like, And you know it's something. I mean, obviously, he could have been mistaken. Someone could have been fleshing their KFC down the toilet. This is a great ad for KFC, by the way. It looks just like human flesh that comes out of the sewer. I remember reading the book. I actually stopped reading the book because then I realized the next 300 pages was him just killing. And I'm not a huge fan of serial killers to begin with. And it was just like, I read the first three kills and it was the same thing over and over again. I was like, ugh. (laughs) I'm like, be more entertaining. Why aren't you building saw traps, Dennis? But I remember, it's so funny because I didn't really remember anything about the killer or I had to look up everything else. But I never forgot that story about people just living their lives 
roommates and plumbers and some boss at Dino Rod thinking, oh, come on, Michael, you got to have me come down there to do your job. What do you think I pay you for? And he walks into the sewer and he's like, what in the world is this? That story never left me. And the idea of staying up all night because you can't sleep and then hearing those noises, not seeing it. So you don't know for sure if that's Dennis. But they had a pretty good, I mean, there's two of them are in the room and there's three people living in the house and you hear those footsteps and you're waiting. Yeah, it's just the whole, t- the whole tension behind that story. Now, I'm not minimizing the fact that he was killing these people. Obviously, they went through their own torment and like one or two survived. But unfortunately, serial killers and their victims and stuff like that, those stories are so commonplace. It's very rare that we get a story that's a view from outside of the victim and outside of the killer. It's just people trying to go to the bathroom who get wrapped up in the sickness of a man who's flushing human remains down a toilet. But this story isn't buried in the past. Remember, he died in 2018. In 2017, in Oshawa, Ontario, Adam Strong, 47-year-old man, calls in a plumber. Because his pipes don't work. Plummer very quickly finds out that there is the flesh of a murdered teenage girl that he'd been flushing down the toilet. That is the clog. He's currently on trial right now for that and the murder of another teenage girl. So that, my fiendish friends, is the end of the Dead Rabbit Radio Halloween special. Evil Never Slumbers. I just came up with that title. It was lightning. I guess if you have to describe the sound effect, it didn't come across. But I hope you guys have an awesome Halloween. I hope you guys have lots of fun. I hope you guys eat all the candy you want. And remember, if you're at your friend's house and the toilet doesn't work, don't call a plumber. Call the police. And then a plumber. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. And a happy Halloween. Halloween.